Hello, my name is Chris Fett and welcome to the debut pod of Saturday Free's preview show, Just Fucking One. On this episode, we'll be looking ahead to Rangers game against Hibs on Thursday and joining me for this episode is the very uncharacteristically cheery uh, Dave. <laughs> uh, so you're in a good mood recently, Dave, about Rangers. Well, no Rangers. <laughs> the lack of Rangers has maybe helped, but the, I'm feeling pretty positive about Beal, so that still continues. As we get into the Thursday, my mood might change, but right now, um, fairly upbeat frame of mind. Yeah, um, I think that kind of captures the mood of just about every Rangers fan because there's been a lot of positivity coming out of Ibrox over the World Cup break in terms of um, training videos, news about injuries or, or, or players returning from injuries, news about Bill having a budget or this kind of stuff, few additions to the staff. Um, but we'll, we'll go through this in chronological order and we'll touch upon that stuff, as I said. But the, the first question I've got to ask you, Dave, are you worried that the game might actually not go ahead on Thursday? Uh, well, I was talking to my missus about this the other day. She was asking what she thought. And I can't remember an incident where frost has killed a game at Ibrox. I remember snow on the ground in recent years, the last three or four years. It was the conditions underfoot for fans attending was the problem. Yeah. But I live near Ibrox and it's not too bad here. The roads are negotiable, so unless it gets worse, unless there's a big dump of snow, I think we should be fine. Yeah, I think so as well. I've been on, I've been on the road uh, for the last three, four days when it really has been quite bad, and it's not actually been bad in the roads, if that makes sense. Uh, so I agree with you. As long as it stays the way it is, um, I think it will be on. But it's going to be a fucking very cold it's, one. It's I big jacket weather, definitely. The, the only other time I can think it being like this was the AC Milan Legends game. Oh, I didn't go to that, I remember that. That was uh, fucking freezing. I think that was something like minus five or six. I had all sorts of under armour and all that, that game. That was pretty brutal, but... Uh, I'll, I'll multiple layers on that, so sure. But let's talk about Bill. Um, he's obviously came in and he's... It's difficult to judge so far because obviously we've not had a competitive game. We'll, we'll, we'll touch upon Leverkusen uh, ever so slightly. I don't think... I think Bill said himself that... Uh, don't read too much into anything about the Leverkusen game in terms of performance, team selection. And he actually said he could have done without the game. He understands why the game was uh, arranged, but he could have done without it. Um, have you watched the training videos? Uh, obviously, the Rangers had an open training session. Um, they released a six-minute, six, seven-minute clip on, on YouTube. Intensity was high. Players looked in a good mood. Um, seemed to be... It's very cliche, obviously, in football. When we compare, there's a wee zip in training, uh, so everything must be good and everything must be getting better. But it certainly does seem that way uh, from the outside looking in. Oh, absolutely. The, it, it's weird. That there's obviously that kind of imperceptible mood, and it kind of permeates through Twitter. People, I watch the training videos and kind of pass, and people scrutinise them a wee bit. But it does seem to be a bit of a lift about the place, that intangible factor. The, I know it's a cliche and a, a kind of thing we've ridiculed them for, but that Paul McStay quote, there's a buzz about the place. Right. I think that's come back for the players now. Uh, I think you can kind of tell. And the intensity does seem to be back. The press conferences are better. The kind of whole mood music around the club seems to have improved, to my mind. Uh, I think we were in the doldrums under Geo for a number of reasons. One, just the way things were going on the pitch. And I don't know if the training was the most stimulating. I've got a wee Kind of tip bit there I picked up the day. We'll come back to that from broadcast training. But uh, aye, the place looks better. The training looks sharper. I, I was at that open training session earlier in the season. 
underdue and that. And I just, I, I wasn't particularly thrilled by the levels of intensity and the kind of, the, the effort and I suppose the only other word is intensity really that was going on and it was very much through the motions whereas the Gerard ones did seem a bit zippier so aye it looks to me as if the mood's been lifted a bit It's it's a bit um, surprising really when you think about it with professional football players uh, well certainly the Rangers players who are obviously <clears throat> again this is just purely from the outside looking in but it certainly does seem to be the case haven't you said there more positivity there's a better mood about the place um, the fact that they've responded to a guy like Bill, who never had a professional career to really talk about, but yet the previous manager was a World Cup winner, a champion, eh, no, a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner, a World Cup finalist, done everything he had to do in the game. Um, was a, an ex-Rangers player, so he should have really known what it was all about. Yet the the mood around the place uh, in terms of the players was was very downtrodden. So it's it, you know it just shows you that. It's, it's, again, we're going into cliche um, territory, but you know the, the best managers um, always do seem to be the one without the track record is, 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 uh, in their playing career. So hopefully the fact that the players have responded um, positively so far, uh, albeit there hasn't been a, a competitive match, as I said, hopefully that trend continues. And I, I think a lot of it goes down to man management as well, Dave. Would, would you agree with that? The fact that Bill knows a lot of these players, they can probably manage them better than Gio did. hundred percent. There's obviously less of a language and culture barrier across the club, although you'd like to think that would be an issue. But I, I looked at the coaching staff he's brought up with him and I tweeted this. I said, look, they, they guys just look as if they know how to win games of football in Britain. They've clearly been about, they've got experience, they look as if they'll be a good fit. And for me, it's one of these things that fans miss, and I've kind of said it before. A football team, a squad, a club is like any other workplace. If you like the manager and believe in him and he's getting you up for it and motivated, you'll deliver more. And if you don't, you won't. And that's regardless of whether the guy's a elite level international, like Gerard and Van Bronckhurst were, or if he's a guy who's just rattled his coaching badges like Bill. Yeah. I, I firmly believe in it's the quality of the individual rather than the the, the track record of his, of his CV. I mean, we've seen so many guys go into management and fail who'd stellar careers. Yeah. And then at the minute, the kind of top English managers, hopefully Bill, Potter, Eddie Howe, uh, guy, is it Nathan Jones just took over at Southampton, it's quite highly rated. There, there are others in that sphere who had, all right, lower league playing careers but they were never stellar but it's them who seem to be at the forefront of getting the big jobs now and the Lampards and the Gerrards and even Gary Neville kind of guys have they done so well yeah, in the post career so I, I don't read too much into the guys career I, I don't believe that that should be a factor in, in hiring them or believing in them but again you would again from a kind of naive perspective go why are they? Why don't they respect Van Bronckhurst when you look at his yeah. CV? We're never going to have a manager with a CV like you. You know what I mean? So, but it's for me. They obviously believe in Bill. Whether that's just a familiarity thing and it's a short term. Oh, he's back. It's good, and that will fade. Don't know. I don't think it will. Uh, and if you listen to what the players have said, they were talking about, or about Bill himself. He was a disciplinarian. He was the distant one. Yeah. 
and it was mere Gerard and McAllister who put the arm around the shoulder stuff. So my fears in that regard have been allayed a wee bit as well. Aye, certainly the players, uh, you know, we, we can't have a, as much as we're, you know, waxing lyrical about them probably having a better mood and, and morale's improved, we, we can't have these players mollycoddled any longer because they've been mollycoddled too, too long. Um, and let's be honest, they've, they've not really deserved the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the length of time that Rangers players had, but the amount of chances that they've had at Rangers when over the piece, there's been far more failures and successes. Obviously, caveating that with where we were under Gerard at the start to where we to where we were when he left. But you know, th- this season has just been a complete and utter uh, disaster up until this point. Um, and my opinion in the players, well, I was done with them. I'm probably I'm still there. It's going to take a hell of an effort to um, get me back on side uh, with the players. Uh, I'll, I'll come. I'll come to that. I'll come to what I feel we need over the next uh, 21 days um, but obviously chronological order as I said the first real chance to see Michael Beale in the dugout was uh, last Saturday against Bayer Leverkusen now I was quite surprised about the the level of play that, that Leverkusen fielded they, they, they did field a fairly strong side um, but again we have to caveat this by um, by saying that they're way behind in preparation. Um, Michael Beale said that himself, they're probably about a week, week and a half to two weeks behind us, so the game probably wasn't as important to them as it was to us. The team that Beale selected, that's got no bearing on what's going to happen against Hibs. Beale again said that, uh, so we've not to look too much into that. However, the, the players still had to give I would say an acceptable performance uh, result didn't really matter. But Dave, at the end of the day, we got a good performance and a good result against a very good German team. Um, so pleasing, uh, you know, we can't look too much into it. We can't we, we can't turn around now and say we've turned a corner, or we can't turn around and say that that's exactly what we needed. But at the end of the day, we have to take each game in its merit, whether it's a friendly or not. It's obviously during the season, so it's a pretty odd, um, it's a pretty odd fixture in terms of a, a friendly in the middle of December, I don't think it's ever happened before for for, for any team in Scotland, um, but they, they've done the job well, they, they got the result, uh, which was secondary, the performance is what I was kind of more um, focused on, and they certainly turned up, Tillman looked, you know, a, a completely different player with a different role, got two good goals, two assists from Tav. Um, and the players seemed to have a wee bit more freedom to express themselves, which I think is a bealism. So, are you looking too much into that, um, or are you just like, yeah, let's just get let's, let's just get the real stuff um, on the go now on Thursday, and uh, the, the the game against Leverkusen really doesn't matter. No, I as you know, I like to look into the quality of performances and go right. What we actually seen here in terms of first of all effort attitude, application, dig, fight hard, all that stuff. Then secondary, what does the system look like? What's the shape? Are they carrying out well? Is there a philosophy here? And then third, how do these two come together? Are the, do the players believe in it? And for me, as early as sort of this time last year under Van Bronckhurst, that you could see the... F- I, I felt that I could see the cracks appearing in that. I felt the system was there up to scratch. And as a result, the players, as they did, they eventually stopped believing in it. But I, I didn't see the whole game at the time. I, I caught most of the second half. And when I walked into the pub, 
on the screen in front of me. Tavernier was up the wing. Lundstrom was in behind him. Down, oh, Stoner on the touchline, that far wide. And Kamara was in field. I think it was Kamara. And it was that same rotation that we did under Beal the first time round. Lundstrom's covering for Tav. Tav's in the attack. The midfielder's inside looking for the pass and offering Tav the option. And they've broke down and they tried to break. And Lundstrom and whoever else it was got back. And then Tav managed to get back and put it out for a corner to Leverkusen. So we didn't attack, they did attack, but the, the smoothness of the way the players interchange positions, the effort they put in for each other, they looked better drilled, they looked more enthusiastic, they looked to be a system, right, we're getting attacked down the wing, this is how we defend this, you pick up this guy, I pick up that guy, and it worked up to a point. So we, it's wee bits like that I like to look for, and I could see it coming back, and it felt a wee bit, it was like putting on a pair of old trainers, you get that instant sense of, right, this is, kind of back to what it was before, as I've said, we all agree it wasn't perfect, but at least there was a philosophy and a system. And the sight of that, for me, was enough to make me think, right, aye, okay, this looks as if it's in the right lines. Yeah, no, I have to, I have to agree. Um, so before we move on to Hibs, there's a very scarce amount of Rangers news at the moment, um, purely because, obviously, the time of year we're at, the window's not quite open, it's ready to open, but, you know, Transfer rumours on the quite as ramped up as they will be in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the World Cup break as well. Um, but the two bits of news that we have is first of all, Leon King signed a new five year contract, and apparently, Glenn Kamara is um, high on the, the, the shortlist for one or two teams, um, quoted at around six months. So we'll come to King first. Obviously, Leon King's had a very difficult season up to this point. Um, I'm not one for kind of trying to make excuses for the boy because I don't actually think that will help him. Um, I see a lot of excuses made for Leon King. It's his age and oh, lack of experience and look who he's playing with. For me, uh, regardless of age, regardless of, regardless of experience and regardless of who his teammates are, he still has to show me something. I have to say, this is obviously going to be hypercritical, but up to this point, Dave, I don't think he's shown me enough, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to show it. That doesn't mean that he's not going to improve. That doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve this contract. I'm only giving a critique of what I've seen this season. Maybe unfair, but again, I don't see the point in, you know, trying to talk up something that, that let's be honest, doesn't deserve to be talked up. He, he's, he's not performed well at all this year, but I do think it's a good move by the club because... With young players, we've seen this a lot with Rangers, with young players they could have a really shit six months or a really shit year and then all of a sudden they just explode and have an absolute fantastic six month and they could be sold off the back of that now. What comes to, to mind with that is Alan Hutton, uh, also to a certain extent Calvin Bassey, though he didn't have a, a, a shit year or whatever but he certainly had a, a very average uh, start to his Rangers career and then out of nowhere he, he has a a fantastic six months, and then he, he sold um, on the back of that. Nathan Patterson, that's probably a different situation. He was always, you know, touted to be the next big thing, and he always showed, uh, no matter what game he played in, that he was just a, a level above every youth player that, that we probably had at that time. So King probably will fall into, for me, the Hutton-Bassey category of, look, he's not a great start, uh, but there is potential there for him to just really... Come, come into his own and Rangers have protected themselves by obviously getting that long term contract and you know that will add the value to any potential transfer fee not that I'm obviously wanting them so because you know 
looking looking at it now uh, in terms of the Bassey Patterson situation, we get mega money for them. But if you were to ask me now, knowing what I know now, would I rather have those two on the on the field, or would I rather have sold them for what we sold them for? I think I'd rather have the two of them on the field, to be honest with you. But um, it's smart business by Rangers. It makes sense. I don't see why anyone should be annoyed by this. I haven't seen anyone annoyed by it, to be fair. But I think it's also important that we still give an honest opinion and an honest assessment of where Leon King's been this year. No, absolutely. For me, the problem you've got there, really, I think, is that players, youth players coming through at Rangers, there's such a small sample size over the last yeah. 20, 30 years. I mean... Really, you could list them off the top of your head to get the current goalie, obviously. Ferguson are the kind of outliers as great servants to Rangers who came through. You've got other guys who come through and don't make the grade at Rangers necessarily. Guys like Buck or Adam who had a slow burn career down south and did well. And then you've got guys like Hutton who had a patchy start. It's, it's putting it mildly, I would say. And then, as you say, just literally exploded as soon as his body caught up with his brain yeah. and he was able to play the way he played. Leon King falls into the kind of, for me, the cat, the, that middle category of right, he will probably have a good career. Whether it's at Ibrox or no, I don't know. We've still, to give him the benefit of the doubt, not seen enough of him yet, but he's not blown me away the way Danny Wilson did, albeit yeah. his career didn't pan out as we thought, the way Nathan Patterson did. And the way Lowry is, but do you know what? That's part of the part of the game. You're going to have to produce sort of solid citizens, and that's where maybe Rangers fans get it wrong. Is that you get guys coming through like Adam and Burke, who'll be solid six out of ten squad players, but we we need wonder kids to be Barry and yeah, dominate the, the a part of the club's fucking history. You know what I mean? It's not enough for them just to come in and play fifty percent of games a day, all right? They need to dominate an era. There, there, so, is, there is, you know, there, there is that drawback to your players at Rangers. I totally agree with you. But it doesn't matter what position you play. Uh, look at Leon King. As an example, centre-half, we still expect him to have made his presence felt the way Barry did. And it's just not going to happen. Barry is uh, one of a kind. Um, you know, it's, you're, you're not going to find many Barry Ferguson's coming through your youth system. Um, for me, I've never really understood the argument um, and this this is for all youth players, not just Leon King, because I don't want I, I don't want it coming across that I'm you know hating on Leon King, because that's that's really not what I'm doing here. Because you you are right in what you say there, David. He, he certainly does deserve the benefit of the doubt, and I'm certainly going to give him that. Um, but I've never really been one for subscribing to the argument of these players are in the team to make these mistakes to learn from it, because surely that's the point of the youth team. Surely that's the point of the B team. Surely that's the point of the loan system. We need these players to come in and sort of perform straight away. Um, and albeit, <clears throat> uh, sorry, albeit Leon King has had a few steady performances, but I just feel that his mistakes that he makes are so schoolboyish that he shouldn't even be making the mistakes. If Leon King gets you know, bodied by some six foot three uh, striker, hairy ass striker that's been in the SPFL for, you know, the best part of 10 years, that can happen. That that goes back to body issues, where obviously his body needs to catch up with his football ability. I can accept that, but it's obviously, it's, it's the kind of, the, the stupid mistakes that, that I feel that he's been making that, you know, I don't feel that the Rangers first team is a place for him to be making those mistakes. 
And albeit, I also have to caveat that way. Let's be honest, the only reason he's had such a, a run in the Rangers team is because of the injury situation. Aye, that, that kind of does go in his favour. Would he have had that run? I'm not sure. For me, he would have replaced Katic as a kind of third choice. Bring him on, 20 minutes to go, games one, try and bleed him in a bit. And do you know what? See if that's that's where you are as a player. And I'm not saying that is where he is. Then that's, you're going to produce these guys as well. And if you get a few quid in for them, happy days. Not everybody's going to be a partisan or a Lowry. But the problem is, we've maybe had to depend on a guy almost entirely for the whole season so far, yeah. who maybe is a mid-pack player and it's it's not be fair, but it's, just, it's good business to tie him down because even if his career starters and we make a million quid or whatever it is, it's still part of that stepping stone to becoming the trading model club and obviously the Scottish player contingent thing for Europe is an important part as well, so uh, I'd certainly rather have Leon King about the place than the other guy that we were linked with. Well, I was actually going to come to that as well because it was uh, some some news that actually uh, completely passed me by there. But I'll, I'll I'll bring it up because by bringing it up though, it kind of legitimizes it uh, in terms of <laughs> as an idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I have to say at this point it's just purely speculation. There's nothing came out either side. Um, you know, I, I was I was told that Ross Wilson denied it. To a certain section of Rangers media, which isn't heart and hand or four lads, so I uh, just want to make that clear. But um, the, the the person who told me that said he's sceptical, he can't verify that, so it basically told me to take it with a pinch of salt. So at this moment in time, it's we don't know if it's happening and we don't know uh, if it's not going to happen. And we are, of course, talking about Ryan Portis, who will be playing against us this, uh, this Thursday. Uh, Dave, I know you are, like, you, you are against it. Um, but this is a this is a purely hypothetical conversation, so you can tell we're at that weird stage of the season where no much is really happening. But for me, it makes sense. Uh, listen, I know the guy's a prick. Um, I'm not going to deny that. I I, I don't like him. Uh, however, I feel that there is that ability there. There also is, you know, a lot a lot of his game needs to be ironed out. Um, completely understand that point of view. But if I take it from a completely footballing point of view, I ask myself, are we better with Ryan Portis in our team than not having Ryan Portis in our team? Right now, Dave, I have to say I think we are better with, with, with him in our team, which is no easy for me to say, because as I say, I don't, I don't particularly like him. But that uh, that side of his game where he is such an unlikable uh, guy, I, I actually think will go in his favour if he does indeed sign for Rangers, because I, I feel that that's the kind of player we're missing. However, I also take the argument that you know he'll have quite a few red cards. Uh, you know, especially the standard of refereeing uh, that that comes when Rangers are playing. But I do think when I look at it, I weigh it up. He's either going to be a free transfer. He's either going to be a, a punt in terms of half a million quid. He's Scottish. He knows the league. He certainly is good enough to play for Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, considering um, you need to remember the mistakes that he makes with, with Hibs. He's the main man with Hibs, whereas he'll be next to Goldson or Davis. Um, so that that's the kind of development side of him that, that, that can that can help. Um, and then you look at the teams he's been linked with. He's always been linked with a few championship teams in England. But again, this whole weird setup that we've got at the moment with Italy, we've got this weird relationship with Italy in this country. Um, they're just taking all our kind of young talent, if you will. So he's, he's actually been linked with a move to Italy. I think it might be Atalanta, actually. Um, 
No, I don't think it's. Uh, I, I can't remember who it is, but it's, it's certainly an Italian team. And maybe Atalanta's a wee bit pie in the sky, but I just don't want Ryan Portis going to, let's just say, Italy, and then we see him doing what Lewis Ferguson has done over the last six months and actually flourish and think to myself, it was right there. Like I, I feel that the risk is worth taking, um, purely because I do believe there's a player there. I also, you know, concede there is attitude problems. Um, there is rashness. And uh, I, I actually don't subscribe, as I said, to the fact that he has such an unlikable character that, that goes against him. I actually think that will go for him um, as a Rangers player. But I know you're pretty much the polar opposite of me. Uh, I don't know if I'm the polar opposite. I agree with a lot of the, what you've said there in terms of the Scottish thing. Guys who play on the edge of aggression, who are physical. I mentioned Steele earlier. We need that. Definitely lacking that and have lacked that for a couple of years but I think Portis just as an individual there's a lot of baggage there and a lot of bad blood and would he get the chance sometimes guys take the chance with both hands and turn it around in the eyes of the fans McGregor's comeback McGregor was particularly popular came back and we were almost immediately won over isn't a great example but it's a similar sort of thing but for me as a player very rash yeah. his decision making is poor. He plays to the crowd and plays to the emotion too much, which leads to him getting caught out. And there's a clip floating about Twitter where he's doing that exact thing against us and he's he's playing to the crowd. He shoves Morelos off the ball and loses his man. He tries to tackle Morelos way out of position and loses his man. He's playing up to the Hibs crowd. Those characteristics for me, you can't do that, especially at the level Bill will presumably want to take us to, which is back to what we were in Europe. For me, he's no good enough at that level. And the amount of baggage that's going on with the guy, would he get a chance or would it end up the whole thing would be a circus and a distraction? And I think maybe that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah. Uh, although, caveat that was saying, Scottish defenders with steel who can tackle, he'd a washing machine, and G other players up around them is certainly something we should be looking at. I just think with him there's just been a bit much. Well, kind of. He's certainly he's either playing us or it's genuinely happening because one thing we do know is he's deleted all his Rangers related posts on Instagram. So it's either going to be he signs and that's why he's done it, or he'll sign for another team. Um, don't rule it Celtic by the way but he signs for another team and it's a get it up you use off what I would actually do that kind of thing and that is the type of guy he is he, he, don't don't ever underestimate that he wouldn't go down that road because he certainly would so um, it's here's, my, here's my prediction we've seen this one before this similar thing right he's going to flirt with us to the last day of the transfer Wendy go to Celtic no really cut it there go and loan down south and be back at within five years where he will spend the twilight years of his career volleying Rangers players over the park as per before. That's my, that's how this will pan out. Do you know something? It wouldn't surprise me one bit if that's how it panned out. Um, but it's, it's certainly an interesting development uh, to, keep a, to keep an eye on. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about that until he actually does indeed sign for another club or us. Um, and the last wee bit of news is, as I said, Glenn Kamara linked with a few moves. I think one of the moves was to Lille, I think it was. Um, six million quid. Uh, look, 
I like going tomorrow. Um, I think we should be looking at a hell of a lot more than six million. I actually said we should be looking for double that. Maybe that isn't quite um, achievable uh, with his current uh, run of form. But surely eight million plus is going to be the the the, the starting price there. Uh, six million pound. Albeit, yeah, you'll have people saying for a guy was signed for fifty grand and then sell for six million. That's great business, of course. It's great business, but at the end of the day, um, this is a guy who, you know, last year, um, or if you can go further back than that, probably when he was really at the peak of his performances eighteen months ago, we wouldn't have batted an eyelid if you know a, a Serie A team, a, a French league one team, a, an English Premier League team came in, gave us fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million for Kamara. Um, because we know that he could probably fit into most of these teams um, in, in those leagues. He's a, he's a quality football player. Um, he gives us something that we don't have. Uh, and he's had a bad period and it's obviously severely affected his, his value. It just surprised me that so many Rangers fans are actually for this uh, particular transfer at that value. Uh, I just feel as if we're completely undervaluing uh, Glenn Kamara, we're underappreciating what he ha- uh, gives us and Michael Beale himself came out and commented on it and says yeah there is interest um, but the Glenn Kamara he knows is far too good for the reported clubs that are in for him and uh, it didn't go quite as far as saying that £6 million would be a steal but you could tell he'd be looking for a hell of a lot more than £6 million. and you could also tell that Glenn Kamara is absolutely 100% part of his plans as he should be, I think Kamara will be the guy who benefits most from coming back. Because I, I, I'm, I, I don't really want to come on here and I, I don't like podcasts where bands are talked into and you kind of lecture and get called out and that. But I'm going to do it on this occasion because I can't believe the way that majority of Rangers fans on Twitter seem to have turned on Kamara. Yeah. Uh, for fifty grand, he came in, slotted into the team right away, was our best player on so many occasions against much better opponents than anything we meet in the SPL. He's the ideal player's player. Give him the ball in a tight area, he keeps it, he wins it back, he works hard, he does his work off the ball, he never loses the ball. He's the ideal teammate in, in European games where you just need to pop the ball to somebody and know they'll keep a hold of it. He's a bit of an unsung hero because he isn't smashing into tackles at Lindstrom and he's no get shots away and he's no make assists, but for me, he's the absolute ideal cog in that midfield set up under Beal and Gerrard. Was probably one of our best players, and maybe third in the, the kind of race list, if you like, behind Kent and Morelos. And I can't believe that so many fans seem to have forgot that and are oh, do we need to oh, get rid of him as if somehow Kamara's the problem. Yeah. I I think he's been let down by Van Bronckhurst refusal to play him in the running LSPL games. Will be played him more or less playing them consistently in Europe. And I think another, certainly I'd be keeping him at the end of the season and then seeing if he doesn't fancy another season. Another good run in Europe, Europa League, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. I've every belief Beal will get his group football next year at a good level. Another year of that and then this guy's the limit because see when he was linked with Juventus, every single person went, aye, aye, I can see that, aye. No, I a, think... No, no one batted an island. Nobody did. Yeah. And Kamara's one of these guys who... You could put him in any squad in any team in the world. I firmly believe you could put him in any squad at that World Cup. And he would start and he wouldn't tear up trees, but he would come on at 70 minutes for Argentina 
tonight. We're recording this tonight, the World Cup semi-final, if, if people want to date it. And it would just do a couple of these wee spinny moves and day passes. People go, I mean, these people, he's all right. He doesn't look out of place. I mean, if you if you cast back and remember uh, when Finland were at the Euros 2020, if um, you spoke highly about with, with all the pundits and, and he had uh, he had a pretty good tournament as well. Um, I just feel that he gives us something that we don't have. He can get us in his tight spaces, his wee intricate moments, and he's he's, he's deceptively strong as well. But a lot of people think that he's he's, he's pretty soft, but he's he's really not. Um, Bill actually referenced the Leipzig game uh, where he absolutely tortured Kevin Campbell, um, especially for that first goal. Um, yep. You know, I, I do like. I'm not as critical as uh, towards Gio as, as certainly you are, and certainly as the vast majority of Rangers fans. Because as I say, I, I believe a lot of the problems came from the players' refusal to buy in, which I kind of get as maybe a Gio problem as well. But they're professional football players at the end of the day, and they have a duty to towards us uh, just as much as I have a duty towards the manager and they failed in both of those duties but um, I certainly can't defend uh, Glenn Kamara's role under Van Bronckhorst because he was played as that number 10 albeit uh, I brought this point up numerous times in Twitter um, for as much as his performances weren't that great in that role he still had his most productive output um, in terms of goals and assists since he joined Rangers so he scored the most goals, got the most assists in any season he's been at Rangers, and that's because obviously Van Bronckhorst played them forward. Now, people can just say that's the law of averages working out because obviously he's in a higher position, so he is going to get more uh, chances to to register those kind of metrics. But at the end of the day, I remember his goal against uh, Hearts where he kind of went through one-on-one with the goalkeeper, wee shimmy, put Craig Gordon in his ass and lifted it over him. I remember his goal against Leipzig. I mean, just a, a beautiful, beautiful goal. So he can perform in that role and that shows a certain amount of versatility but don't don't get me wrong like I totally agree with you Dave his best performance sorry his best position is certainly you know behind the 10 where he's kind of making things happen recycling the ball bringing all the guys into play getting into these tight spaces spinning two guys so it brings two guys out of the team which out of the opposition which gives us more space that's the Glen Kamara I want to see Um, and hopefully that is the Glen Kamara we are going to see because I really really don't want to sell him and if we are going to sell him I want it to be worthwhile uh, I want it yep. to be a more heftier fee than six million um, and also if I was Michael Beale I would be wanting assurances that I get a hundred percent of whatever we make in Glen Kamara none of this fifty percent on new players and fifty percent gets banked or whatever I would want the full amount absolutely I mean it's going to cost you way more than that to no. way more than fifty grand it's going to cost you a couple of million to re- close to replacing Kamara's Fairly unique skill set, as I say, he could play in any squad. He could play in any Rangers squad I've seen. Would they be the standout? But he would fit in. He would go into that midfield with Alberts, Ferguson, Van Bronckhurst himself, McCann, and look as if he's meant to be there. And I, I hope he gets back to that level because even when we first started getting a real foothold against Celtic, if you remember, and really taking them on, how big a player was he in the games? How many clips is there of him spinning away for Scott Brown? humiliating him in midfield, creating opportunities, getting us for a packed height behind the midfield or, or in front of Celtic's midfield and behind him. He uh, done it time and time again. He's lost a bit of his mojo. Hopefully yeah. Bill can bring it back. And if we if he goes, well, he's going to need to go at some point selling model and all that. It needs to be for the right value. But hopefully we get another 18 months out of him because I think he's still got another year or two left. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Seen that new contract last year. Um, so looking ahead to the Hibs game, uh, Bill gave some updates in terms of injuries. So what we do know is Yilmaz is out. Barisic is out, but obviously his participation in the World Cup. So more than likely, Adam Devine is going to be at left back. Now, is Adam Devine your wee tip bit about the Gio training? No, it was something else I heard. It was uh, more to do with another Scottish club who've hired a Dutch coach and the methodologies that they employ as the modern Dutch thinking are very, very similar to what we saw in the World Cup for Holland, i.e. the horseshoe, and what we saw at Rangers try to get the youth, a friend of mine's son was in the youth ranks there, and it saw horseshoe, 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 reliance on individual quality and one-on-ones rather than the Beal model, which was obviously pass, move, systems and shape. So it's just interesting to hear how some Scottish clubs are going doing that route at youth level. Yeah. When, to my mind, the modern Dutch philosophy doesn't necessarily seem to be one that is going to bring much success. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I bring up that, uh, obviously, Adam Devine, he's quoted as saying that the, the, the difference already in the training between what Bill's brought to what Van Bronckhorst had, he said he's noticed it and it's more kind of vibrant and it's more enjoyable. Um, listen, I'm not going to really criticise the wee guy. I think he should have been better advised. I don't really like um, hearing young players coming out, you know, saying stuff like that. I don't, especially in an underperforming Rangers team, and, and especially when you consider, as we discussed earlier, the the CV that Van Bronckhorst has. Um, and also, you, you know, we have to admit that, that, that it might be misquoted in certain aspects, but certainly the whole kind of general consensus of the of the of the interview was just the, the difference in training methods. Um, so, not to be too hypocritical, though, us as fans, we do like to hear that kind of inside information. But I would prefer it coming from a more senior member of the squad rather than than young Adam Devine. But he's certainly going to get his chance on Thursday. He'll be at it left back. I don't think there'll be any surprises there. Cause I, I really, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that, that, that would play there. Uh, obviously, with Yoma has been injured, Barisic out. Um, Devine seems to be the only real option we have. We don't have a Joe Rebo who could you know, slot in there in an emergency. So it looks like he's going to be there. Bill also gave an update on... Some other injuries, uh, Connor Goldson's going to return to training. Uh, he's probably, at the time of recording, probably already has returned to training, which is good news. Kamal Roof has certainly um, been training, as I've seen in the open training session. Ben Davis, similar to Goldson, um, will be back on the training field um, if, he has, if he hasn't uh, already. Um, Alex Lowry got you know a good half an hour against Leverkusen, maybe a wee bit less than that. It looked very, very good. Um, not so many updates on Haji, Suter and Lawrence, so I think they're probably still a wee bit away. Sakala, uh, he's uh, returning from a knock as well. He got 30 minutes against Leverkusen, which uh, Bill said was deliberate. Um, there was no reoccurrence of the injury, it was just a complete deliberate plan before the game to give him 30 minutes. Um, but the big news out of this is Goldson, um, way ahead of schedule, took everyone by surprise, really. Um, and that would be a massive, massive bonus to us. Because um, let's face it, I think I think the the time for the conversation is now merited about Ben Davis. We'll come on to him in a minute. But Golson coming back and Golson maintaining his fitness and being available between now and the end of the season, which Bill said he hopes because he is going to manage him. So I don't think we're going to see him against Tibbs. Um, but we certainly will see him in this kind of mini fixture pile up. Um, massive, massive bonus to us, Dave. Oh, absolutely. That that solves a whole problem at the back. I mean, 
there was a section of the fan base who were sceptical about Goldson and I take on board some of what they're saying. But when he's not there, you just see the void that appears uh, and the, the confidence he brings to others around him. So if we can get him back, as you see, sooner rather later than this week in a mini run of games we've got coming up, then aye, so much the better for me. Yeah, um, so just just on Ben Davis, <coughs> uh, sorry, um, obviously a hefty fee, uh, the biggest fee we've paid out since Ryan Kent, um, so just by pure default it's the second biggest fee in the last 10-12 years that Rangers have paid out. Um, now don't get me wrong, guy's a quality, quality defender, I think we've seen it, we've seen it against Liverpool for that first half when him and Goldson really started to strike up a partnership and then obviously Goldson um, he, he broke down he struggled a wee bit being the, the main man Ben Davis obviously when he had to kind of look after Leon King a lot um, but he still showed he had great quality and I was really really kind of I thought he's going to be a big favourite I mean However, I have to say, Dave, at this point, for the money we've paid for him, the wages we're probably paying him, the pedigree he comes from, the, the, the guy breaks down more than than he's actually fit. And it is looking like, and I know this is incredibly harsh, and I know that there's plenty of time to be proven wrong in this, so it's a bit of a premature conclusion, but I'm only calling it as I see it now. It is looking as if it's a bad bit of business, um, because this guy he seems to love a niggle. Aye, it's, uh, I'm not sure what his injury record was like before. He was fairly beloved at Preston North End, obviously got Liverpool move, so you've got to think he was a kind of stalwart there. But aye, once again, guy comes to Ibrooks and the curse strikes and his body seems to let him down. As we've said many times in this pod, and I don't really want to dwell on it, the transfer strategy Ibrooks medical approach to signing players or rejecting players and identification of what's needed to improve the squad has been poor. Did we need a four million pound defender? Question mark about that. Did we need a six million pound left back? Question mark about that. Did we need a three million pound Rabbi Matondo? Question mark about that. So again it's just it's you, you could excuse each of these things in isolation. You can make excuses for individual John Suit are injured, oh that's a shame. Uh, Davies knocks. It's just it's random, but sooner sooner or later you've got to go. Is it random or is it is there a is there a lever you can tweak somewhere in the club's overall strategy that prevents this from happening? I think when you and, look, uh, I think when you look at the trends, Dave. So if you look at the trends, that's, that's what I mean. Now. since Davies has come in, he's been probably on the sidelines more than he's been available, um, and. You look at what Ross Wilson said at the AGM, some players are signed and the whole purpose of them signing is that they don't play 60 games a year, referring to John Souter. Now, when it comes to John Souter, that's okay because that's a free transfer. That's a player on fairly low wages. When it comes to Ben Davis, it's a whole different story. Um, you know, we we need him to be playing, you know, between 45 and 60 games a year purely on the price that we've paid for him, uh, purely on the wages that we're paying for him. And purely because we don't want a defensive, um, a, a, a Kmart roof defender, if that makes sense. A guy who is very uh, scarcely available. And that is looking like the trend at the moment. We can't hang our hat on Davis being available, you know, every game. 
in, in, in the way that maybe Conor Wilson was. Now, don't get me wrong, that's what makes it all the more frustrating for me. Because we're not talking about Ravi Matondo. If Ravi Matondo was uh, injury prone and never available and picking up knocks left, right and centre, I wouldn't be too pissed off. I would be pissed off obviously because of the price, but I wouldn't be too pissed off because I don't think he, he actually adds much to the squad, certainly at the moment. But with Davis, that's why it becomes far more frustrating because I can see that we've got a quality, quality player who would be a massive asset to us. It's just, it's looking more and more likely at the moment. And I get it could be an early conclusion, but it just looks like he's not going to be able to handle, you know, a 45, 60 game season with Rangers and the intensity that we play it and the amount of games we play it. And if Ben Davis was a half a million pound signing, I would probably like, cool, that's why he costs so little. But the fact that this guy's, you know, four and a half million quid, uh, it's it's probably indicative of, of as you were saying, of our, of our transfer strategy. Aye, so I'd, I thought the way the niggles kind of mounted up under Gio, I thought, right, there must be something at play here. Maybe it's the training, low intensity, then getting high intensity matches. Hopefully it'll start to clear up once we get these guys back and get them fit. They'll remain at... As the words leave my mouth, I'm kind of thinking I've heard people say that before and vehemently disagreed with them because yeah, players who are injury prone tend to remain that way. But fingers crossed we can get him back and a few others. Ryan Jack starting at the weekend as well was a good, kind of good sign. Roof back, Hollander, I don't know where he is. Yeah. Last time I seen him, he was sporting a magnificent pash doing something other than playing for Rangers, but uh, aye, it's another, as you say, poor bit of business when you take all these factors into context. Are you excited about the prospect of an extended running team for Alex Lowry? Because it looks like now there's no excuses for the wee guy. He's fit again. He's, uh, he's had a fright. Gio gave him a fright, you know, dropping him from the team altogether, even though he was fit. He's had a kick up the arse, which... I'm hearing as much needed. I think he came out of his station a wee bit, out of his lane. Um, a wee bit big-headed, got a wee bit of the attitude, a wee bit of the John Flex. Some of the senior guys have wrapped his knuckles, Gio wrapped his knuckles, he's got a fresh start under Bill. Do you think he's going to grasp this opportunity with the limited knowledge you have of, of Alex Lowry? And just how much of a benefit would that be if Alex Lowry knuckled down and, and got an extended run in our team? For me, just based on what I've seen him on the park, He's, I absolutely, he should be in the team more often than not. He's good enough. You watch this World Cup, there's guys 19, 20, getting in international squads, dominating their teams. Bellingham's a complete outlier, but he's, a, I think he's a, like a week, there's a week of difference between them, I think. Um, Lowry's one of the, the most promising talents I've ever seen come through at Ibrox. His ability on the ball, his passing range and vision are off the charts, even at the weekend there. He only had a wee cameo, but he came on. Two or three great through balls, two or three things he goes. His weight of pass is unreal. It's aye, it's it's frightening. And the vision to see it, people are obviously going all out over Messi's passes and he is the greatest of all time, in my opinion, right? But Lowry finds these wee gaps and finds these wee pockets of space that, no compelling to Messi, but only really special players have that wee bit of vision. And I think Lowry's got the tools to be one of the most creative players we've ever produced in terms of that that genius level ability on the ball. 
he needs to knuckle down. I noticed even on Saturday, as, as much as I was impressed, there was a few times where he, he's looking for the glory ball and he had a chance to play Divine and down the line. And he see that player in front of Divine for the cross, he just kind of offhandedly knocked it towards him. And then he did the same in field to Morelos, like, oh, there's nothing on for me. I can't impress here, so here you take a shot. And just nudged it. And I'm like, a better quality pass there. It's a bit work a day. It's not special. It's not going to get any attention. But it's the kind of pass Scott Arfield puts 100% into. Because yeah. he knows it gets us up the pitch five yards. Lowry just, for want of a better word, they just mugged it off a wee bit. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, B-Man, you could actually have went for looking for a one-two with both of those players there. But unless he's playing players through in goal, and he's doing the glory ball, he seems to just, just maybe switch off a wee bit, but as you see, the way to pass, the vision for the pass, <laughs> close control, all these things are putting them in the, the top bracket of players I've seen yeah. at, at that level of Ibrox. The last one I've seen had that level of, kind of ability. Patterson, good in different respects. Lewis McLeod, that looking like a man in a Wayne's body, kind of. Yeah pure ability came through so for me he could be vital for the rest of the season and, and he could be bled into team and either another good season or a big fee so I needs to knuckle down it's up, uh, it's up to Alex Lowry really isn't it? it's, it's the balls in his court um, he can be whatever he wants to be but it's whether he, he grasps that chance and has the right attitude because the only way Alex the only way Alex Lowry isn't going to succeed at Rangers is if Alex Lowry allows that to happen um, and you, you hear so many stories about these young guys that have this sort of kind of ego and attitude and think they've made it and, you know, a wee bit of the kind of, the, what is it you call it, Dave, the asshole swagger. I don't mind it, but, you know, back it up, man. And, you know, it, it, it has backed it up, but don't be flaunting it, you know, on Instagram. Don't be the cocky wee asshole when training and annoying all your teammates. Um, annoy the opposition is the, is the, the advice I would give them. Um, and I, I, I totally agree with you. I think between now and the end of the season, he could be a, a vital, vital addition because, let's be honest, we all expected more from Alex Lowry up to this point, albeit injuries have kind of held him back. That, that assault on him in the B game, which, again, as much as that was a disgusting assault, it's the strategy of Rangers that really annoys me because what is he even doing playing in a B game? Um, this is a boy who's more than ready and you're putting him in that environment where there is hammer throws that will like to kick the shit out of these egotistical young guys um, and I just felt as if we put him in a position there that he should never have been in but that's by the by um, totally, totally agree we hope he gets this extended run of the team because he will be an asset to us um, we'll come on to the run of games Dave in a minute but just first of all what, what are you expecting against Hibs? Uh, I'm not really going to ask for it in terms of prediction for a scoring because obviously you, you're, you're going to be predicting a win anyway but in terms of performance, in terms of team lineup. Um, in terms of application, in terms of atmosphere at Ibrox, do you think all these things will be different to what we've seen in the last couple of months? I think the, the fans will hopefully get a bit of bounce. The stock's high. People are positive again. I think he'll revert to his 4-3-3-ish system. Have a bit of freedom and flexibility. He said he wants to play with handbrake half. Get to the front foot again. Creativity. If we bring that back and we play the way we can. Hibs have been poor on the road this season. There's no reason why this shouldn't be as straightforward as a win gets against a quote-unquote top six decent quality side. Um, so, I, apart from being 
absolutely fucking freezing. I'm looking forward to hopefully a bit of scintillating football. Hopefully we sight Alex Lowry, but a better glimpse of Tillman in his preferred role. Kent getting on the ball, fullbacks getting forward. <coughs> so, I am fairly confident that do it, and I think there will be a bit of buzz, and the players will respond. Hopefully. So before we come on to uh, obviously our busy schedule, five games in 21 days, uh, just a quick segue, Dave. Um, we have our first uh, collaboration, our first sort of kind of sponsor. Um, we've collaborated with Kick of Merchants, who basically supply football beer mats, retro kit bar runners and exclusive sweatshirts all available. Um, you can get them at kickoffmerchants.com and to obviously celebrate this uh, collaboration, we are running a competition um, over on our Twitter, which you can find us at Saturday at Freepod. And the competition is to give away some Rangers beer mats. Now, there is John Gregg, Gaza, Sunus, Brian Loudrop, George Alberts, Colin Steen, Andy Gorham, uh, Sandy Jarden, David Cooper, Ali McCoy, and Bill Struff. Some fantastic designs there, Dave. Obviously, the Gorham one sticks out for me because that's the kind of you know, the, the tiger camouflage type goalie top, that, that's the, the design of that beer mat. Um, so all you have to do there is uh, to enter as followers, retweet, tag two mates, and the winner will be drawn on the 20th of December before the game against Aberdeen. Um, and all the details for this will be in the description for the pod. But Dave, you've seen the beer mats, what do you think? Yeah, I've got to say, I absolutely love them. Considered framing them, but they've just became a kind of regular use thing in the... Odd occasion to have a wee refreshment after a Rangers victory, I like to get them out, so aye. Yeah, um, so as I said, head over to our Twitter, uh, the Twitter again is at Saturday at 3, sorry, I'll start that again, <laughs> at Saturday at 3 pod, um, and you'll find all the details there, but the, the, the details will also be in the description, um, so enter that and, and show some love to kick off merchants. Um, so Dave, obviously we've got a busy schedule coming up, we've got Hibs at home, Aberdeen away, Ross County away, um, Motherwell at home, and then Celtic at home. Five games in 21 days. Now, I'm going to go on a limb here, Dave, and say that if we have any chance, and I mean any chance, of keeping this uh, this title ambition alive, we need to get 20, uh, We need to get 15 points from these next five games, which is maximum points. Anything, even a draw, um, you can. it's over. Um, I, I was pretty much, you know, conceding it anyway. Uh, Bill Cameron's gave me a bit of a lift. Um, and it's gave me the opportunity to just sit back, try and enjoy Rangers again, but also have that sort of, you know, quiet confidence that we aren't out this yet. And the only way that that's going to be confirmed is if we get maximum points over the next five games. Dave, do you think four wins and a draw, do you think that's good enough? Do you think two, three wins and two draws? Do you think undefeated over these next five games? Do you think that's good enough? Or are you with me, 15 points out of 15 is required? I think to have any hope we're going to have to go undefeated pretty much to the end of the season and take maximum points apart from maybe one or two slip-ups if we're going to have any chance of doing it. I think for me that ship has sailed unfortunately and nobody likes the defeatist attitude, nobody likes to hear it. Obviously I'll still keep going, it's not going to change how I support the team or how I act inside the stadium in terms of cheering us on and it will not make me any less gutted if we don't win. The fact I've said that I think it's done, but I think realistically, nine points with the squad and the shape it's in is a bit much. I very much hope that I'm wrong, but as you say, to have any chance, we need to 
win those games and hopefully Celtic have a slip up and then we can beat them. That's a a five or six point swing hopefully and that maybe suddenly just opens things up a wee bit more so we can only cling on and hope it certainly fucking don't make it any worse but uh, aye it's got to be a, a pretty substantial turnaround immediately for us to have any hope whatsoever. I'm of the mindset that um, and plenty plenty of others are probably with me here um, let's just assume Celtic won their next four games and then we take care of them um, and we are the ones that kind of slit their throat, we are the ones that take the points off them and then hopefully they have a wee bit of a wobble after that anything they drop between now and the game at Ibrox is a complete and utter welcome bonus for me but I'm just going to assume they're going to get maximum points up into that game at Ibrox and then it's it's up to us to do the business and we really well, we're completely jumping ahead here because we've got really tough games coming up, obviously Aberdeen and Ross County away really stick out for me but um, that game against Celtic is a marker, not just for the season but going ahead under the Bill Reign, you know Postacoglu has done, let's be honest, he's done a fantastic job. He's he's uh, he's seen off um, two Rangers managers now. This is the third Rangers manager, so the, the albeit there is some sort of kind of mitigating circumstances there, especially with Gerard. He, um, he 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 left off his own accord. He wasn't sacked or anything like that. But at the end of the day, the, the Celtic fans will be Celtic fans and, and and claim that record of now that's three Rangers managers to him to his uh, reign. So. We need to lay down a marker to not just Celtic, but to Postacoglu. I'm not going to say Postacoglu's had it all easy, but Postacoglu's done it his way. Um, and he's not had to adapt to Rangers. Now, one of the big things that Bill has said is teams will need to adapt to us instead of us adapting to them. And to me, that was that was a thinly veiled message to Rangers fans of, you know, that that's a... That that's laying down the the marker for Celtic. I, I don't think we adapt to Hibs or we adapt to Aberdeen or we adapt to Ross County. You clearly seen Giovanni van Bronckhorst try to adapt to the Celtic style of play, uh, which was obviously frantic. It's high paced. It's 100 miles an hour, and we tried to basically kill the game by playing a slow mundane um, style of football just to try and take the wind out themselves. But as we've seen, um, it just takes a 10-minute burst for the Celtic team to have the game over with, um, especially in all firms. And for me, that was Bill's way of saying that's not going to be the case anymore. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. But I think there's more importance in this game for us than it is uh, them. And we, in my opinion, Dave, we need to go into that game with maximum points, with maximum momentum, and then it, the, the stakes won't be any higher um, because it will really be win or bust for me. I don't fail to win, regardless of what's going on before, and it's done. And it's done in January, and that's a damn indictment on, on previous regime and the board. And we then need to just try and build back, win the Cups, and do an Alec McLeish, basically. But uh, as you say, in terms of the style, uh, what I really want to see is, is impose the style that we did on them before, because they couldn't really handle it. We had a great record against them under Beal and Gerrard, where... They just, our intensity pressing, we figured out their system under Rogers and Lennon and the odd victory apart, obviously some of them that really stung. We had the upper hand for two, three years. So what I want to see mainly, as I said in the last pod, is an aggressive performance against Celtic where we take the game to them. We don't sit and wait to see what happens and we don't let them dictate their style on us as has happened. 
embarrassingly so <clears throat> under Van Bronckhurst in the, the league game so far, albeit he, he won the cup, so give him that one. But uh, for me, a repeat, if there's any repeat of that type of performance, then we can absolutely forget this whole season. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that that comes to the end uh, of this podcast. Um, obviously, we've got the game on Thursday. Everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, join us over the weekend, um, where we will be... Um, It'll probably be before the weekend, actually, it'll probably be uh, Friday, uh, where we will be looking back on hopefully a, a good performance and hopefully, more importantly, a win against Tibbs. And we'll be looking forward to the Aberdeen game, the, which will happen over the weekend. And then, as I said, it's just relentless. It's then Ross County two days before Christmas, and then obviously a, a couple of days after Christmas, you get Motherwell, and then uh, a couple of days after New Year, we'll get Celtic. So, a fully packed uh, schedule um, because of the World Cup. Uh, five really, really important games, um, and it's going to really define how this season will end up under Michael Beale. So, all to play for at the moment, all to look forward to. We've all got our kind of Rangers mojo back, but Dave, you mentioned it earlier, it just takes a 2 2 draw at Ibrox against Hibs, and that's really <laughs> <laughs> I don't even see that. Don't tempt fate. It's going to be fine on Thursday. No, I, I, we, should, we certainly should be. This is a very, very poor Hibs team. So so poor, in fact, we haven't even discussed how um, their potential danger men are because I think they're just having as bad an injury crisis as we are. Um, so, no, there can be no excuses for, for this Thursday. Um, so thanks very much for listening, Dave. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Enjoyed it as always. Yep. And um, follow us, subscribe to us um, on all the social medias. We're on Facebook now. We're on Twitter, YouTube, Amazon Music. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All the links will be in the description. If you could obviously follow, subscribe, like us, um, all that goes a long way in helping us grow this uh, this podcast. Uh, so thanks very much and uh, join us um, over the weekend. As I said, we will be looking at the Aberdeen game and looking back on hopefully a Rangers win against Tibbs.